uh, Acts chapter 21 this morning. The title of our sermon will be The Way of the Spirit. We'll read uh, verses 1 through 16 together. I'll read out of the NIV and then we will get into it. Acts 21 verse 1 says this. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patera. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went aboard and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us to the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Platimaeus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters, stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Nason where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. That's the word of God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that it's living, it's active, it's, it's from you, God, it's powerful. Thank you that you speak to us and you lead us and convict us and that you show us Jesus. Would you do that this morning? And Lord, I ask that you would specifically bring some clarity to us about the, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and what the gift of prophecy is and isn't, and how we could honor you with that gift, and how we could serve one another with that gift, Lord. And I just ask even now that you would pour out your Spirit on your church afresh. That, thank you, Lord, you said you, you, you give the Spirit without measure. Like, you don't stop. So please, Lord, pour out your Spirit on us. Make us alive through your word, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so our text this morning, um, we're going to look at together the gift of prophecy, the New Testament gift of prophecy, how it functions, how it doesn't function. Um, and I want us to lay a little bit of foundation before we get into our text about prophecy. Uh, so the gift of prophecy, prophecy as in from the Lord in the new, like in us as a church, like I, I think the Lord's saying this to me, this, this thing is, is significant to the whole historic church. It's, it's been argued um, that the gift of prophecy ceased or that it was just for the New Testament period. And so one of the things that brings clarity to us is if we look to our history, uh, there's a guy named 
Irenaeus. He wrote in the second century. So this is like the hundreds, 100s or whatever. He wrote in a book called Against Heresies, a testimony of his church and what the spirit was doing in his church. Look at this quote. This is the 1900-year-old quote. For some do certainly and truly drive out devils so that those who have thus been cleansed from evil spirits frequently both believe and join themselves to the church. Others have foreknowledge of things to come. They see visions, utter prophetic expressions. Others still heal the sick by laying their hands upon them and they are made whole. Yea, moreover, as I have said, the dead even have been raised up and remained among us for many years. We do also hear many brethren in the church who possess prophetic gifts and through, who through the Spirit speak all kinds of languages. I have a whole list here of names and quotes from history. I won't read them all to you, um, but there's, there's one more I'll read. There's a, a pastor named Charles Spurgeon in the 1800s. And what's interesting about him is his theology, he believed personally that the, the gift of prophecy had ceased and yet in his autobiography, he had stories such as this one. He has a story. He said, one day I was, it was Sunday and I was preaching to the church. And in the middle of my sermon, I was compelled. I saw a young man. I stopped my sermon. I looked at him and said, the gloves you are wearing are stolen. And then he's, and then he's like, kind of came to and then came back and started preaching his sermon. And then after the sermon, the, the, the young man came up to him and was confessing, this is the first time I've done this. I'm so sorry. Like, please pray for me. And he goes on to write in his autobiography, I have a dozen or so stories like this in my preaching. I can't really explain it, but it just seems like the spirit came on me and sorry, the spirit, and, and he was with me. Um, not only is prophecy significant for the historic church, it's significant to our church specifically. Our church would not have been planted apart from prophetic words from people to those who started our church. Um, our, every church plant, every one of our realities have significant prophetic moments about the location, about who should go, who shouldn't go. My wife and I wouldn't be here apart from the prophetic leading of the Lord. And I know many of you have experienced significant moments where the Spirit supernaturally speaks and leads in ways that are kind of hard to understand or unusual. Um, Paul refers to this thing as the, the spiritual gifts, the gifts of prophecy, maybe tongues, miracles. I want us to ground this idea of the spiritual gifts in Scripture. Uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We have these verses on the screen. Look at a few verses where Paul lays this out for us. I think we have it up here. Maybe it's coming. Here it is. Oh, I'm, I'm skipping those verses. I'm sorry. I made a lot of changes to my sermon, so sorry, sorry, everybody, but it's, it's coming, it's coming. Okay, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And a few verses later, he says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. And then he starts listing the gifts, verse 7 through 11. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So this is a, a one of many places in the Bible where we learn these are the gifts given by the spirit to us, the church. Uh, it's 
often been said, you know, yeah, these gifts are maybe only for some people. Maybe they're just for the apostles, maybe just for those writing scripture. Um, And yet we see this prophecy in Joel chapter two that Peter quotes in Pentecost when the spirit falls on the whole church, not just apostles, not just on the so-called prophets, on the whole church. And this this is the prophecy that he quotes. This is God saying, and afterward or in the later days, I will pour out my spirit on who? All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. It's, it's not based on our ethnicity. It's not based on our nation. It's not based on our gender. It's not based on our age or even our time in history. God says, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all people. And in Acts 2, we see him do that. And we believe that the spirit of God has not left the church, amen? God is with us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I am with you always. And how that plays out is he has given us, you, the spirit of God. That the third member of the Trinity, God himself, lives in you if you've trusted in Jesus. Now, specifically, we want to look together at the gift of prophecy this morning because that's some of the questions and, and uh, the gift comes up in our text. Uh, a great pastor, he's alive now, he wrote a book called uh, Introduction to the Spiritual Gifts. I couldn't more highly recommend it. His name's Sam Storms. His, this is his definition of the New Testament gift of prophecy that was listed in 1 Corinthians. Uh, here, here it is. The gift of prophecy is the human reporting of divine revelation, speaking forth in merely human words, something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. Now we're gonna, in a moment, bring some clarity. There's a difference between the gift of prophecy that you and I have available to us and the, the office of prophet, which were those who gave us the scriptures. This, that's the different thing than what we have, the gift, the New Testament gift of prophecy. Now, uh, what is the purpose of the gift of prophecy? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, here it is, the primary purpose of the gift of prophecy is this. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. That is kind of framing some of the biblical foundations to the gift of prophecy. And it's worth pointing out here, it's worth stopping and stating, this is somewhat controversial in the church. Uh, There are many Bible-believing Christians who disagree with the fact that the Spirit still uses the gift of prophecy in the church. They believe that the supernatural gifts as such have ceased. Uh, The label, which are labels are helpful and unhelpful, the label for that uh, camp is cessationist. If you you believe the gifts of the Spirit have ceased, typically you would refer to yourself as a cessationist. Now, uh, we as a church are not cessationists, specifically uh, because of verses like these in the New Testament. We're going to look at three verses together. Uh, Here's the first one. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I think that's important because he, he says, not only just the spiritual gifts, like, yes, okay, we're gonna have spiritual gifts. Paul's like, especially this one. I wanna specifically remind you, desire that you would prophesy. He says this later in that chapter, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. 
there's some insight there. Why would Paul say don't forbid speaking in tongues? Because he knows that that's a natural human reaction to tongues because it's weird and it's supernatural and people, he knows that people will probably forbid this thing. And so he specifically says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. And then he says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, this is so good. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but... Test everything, hold fast to what is good. I know that this uh, topic can uh, kind of maybe stir up some nerves or emotions or even honestly some wounds or some history, uh, but we look to the word of God for, for our guidance on these issues. We don't look to tradition. We don't look to experience. We look to what has God said. And these verses are so clear for the New Testament church. That's us that we are to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts and prophecy, that we are not to quench the spirit, but make room for the spirit and the spiritual gifts in our gatherings and in our meetings and our home groups and in even our interactions with one another. Now, I want to say this. It's worth saying we as a church and as Christians, we should and we do love cessationists, okay? I'm just going to say that. We love them. Remember, they are the bride of Christ. They are Jesus's wife, our brothers and sisters. We don't speak ill of them. We would simply say, yeah, I would disagree with you on this issue. But they disagree primarily because they would read the scriptures differently. Uh, Some of the most godly men and women in church history were cessationists. Um, One of my favorite Bible teachers, such a good Bible teacher, John MacArthur is a cessationist. Um, And I would just simply say, man, you're such a good Bible teacher. I I don't know how you missed in the Bible where it teaches these things, but I love you. Um, And we'll be together with clarity on these issues for all eternity. It's just important that this isn't a a place of division for us. What What a strange thing if it was Christmas morning and parents gave their kids some gifts and all they did was argue about them and never use them. What a strange thing, right? What a strange thing to be like, no, we hang out with these presents over here. We don't hang out with you. Like, it's just a strange thing. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, So I think even if you would speak to a cessationist, much of the, the reason why they are what they are is number one, a misunderstanding of what we would believe. And also there's been a lot of uh, damage done in the abuse of the spiritual gifts. I would imagine many of you, if not all of you, have experienced um, maybe times of worship where you're like, I don't think this is right or healthy or biblical. Uh, Maybe someone's abused their spiritual gift. Maybe you just had a bad taste in your mouth in the the environment. And, And if that's you, truly, I'm sorry. And Jesus' church is a really messy place. And we don't just mess up the spiritual gifts. We mess it all up. And then we come to Jesus, who's the only one who is perfect. We are a messy family of God, and and we will blow it. But here's the thing. We do not form our theology based on our wounds or based on our experience. We form our theology based on the word of God. We just look to it and try to align ourselves and our lives with it. And you know, it's it's funny, there's trends, things get popular, things get unpopular. Um, in our area, in California, at this time in history, it's, it's pretty easy to believe in the spiritual gifts, um, and, it's, it's, and it's harder to believe other things. But we don't, we don't believe what we believe because it's popular, because it's unpopular. Uh, we believe at this church that God has called men to lead their families and their, and their churches. That's not a popular thing today. If you were to say that in culture, like, you're crazy, 
Um, but again, we don't believe what we believe because it's popular, because it's easy. We just, everything that we do, we say, God, what have you said? And we want to submit to it. So we don't base our beliefs or our practices based on what's popular, based on what people with PhDs say or don't say. We say, what have you said, God? We believe you have spoken. And we as a church believe God has said, I've given you a gift. It's called prophecy. And I want you to exercise it and enjoy it and learn about it. And so in our text this morning, we see evidence of this gift at work. Um, could you bring up that last verse, that one, the, the slide that we skipped of the four places, the three verses in our text? I think we, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, okay. These are three, three places in just our text where we see the spiritual gifts being used. Verse four, through the spirit, they urged Paul. Verse nine, talking about uh, Philip, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And then verse 10 and on, a prophet named Agabus came down and he delivers a prophecy. So we see in our text this gift at work. Now, I love this text, these 16 verses, because they highlight some of the issues and questions that come when we try to use this gift. There's tension in this text because some people are saying, Paul, God told me you shouldn't go. And some people are saying, Paul, God told me you're going to suffer. And Paul is saying, no, God told me I need to get to Jerusalem. And isn't that how it often goes when we're trying to discern the things of the Spirit? There's confusion. Maybe one person thinks God's saying this. Maybe one thinks, maybe, maybe it means this. And how do we know who's right? And how do we know who's not right? And so we're going to get some clarity on how the Spirit works, how He doesn't work. Um, I want us to specifically see the tension here, though. In Acts chapter 20, verse 22, so a few verses back from our text, this is, this is what Paul is stating about his desire to get to Jerusalem. It says, And now, compelled by the Spirit... I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Up to this point in the text, Paul has been on, on missionary trips. He got saved. He's been planting churches. And now in the spirit, he's compelled by the spirit. I need to get to Jerusalem. I have to get to Jerusalem. He's being led, compelled by the spirit. Now he's traveling along. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's visiting some churches. And then in verse four of chapter 21, we read this. Through the spirit... They urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem, which is confusing, right? So is the Spirit saying different things, or what, how do, what does this mean? And then we read the story of Agabus saying, in this way, he takes Paul's belt, which was like a long sash kind of thing. He ties Paul up with it. And then he says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And then the whole church gets around Paul and is like, don't go, Paul. You're going to suffer. Don't go. So there's questions. What's the Spirit saying? Does the Spirit contradict himself? How do we discern these things? Um, I want to frame this in the, in the general question. How, how do you know if you're hearing from God? And the first truth we know is this. God never contradicts himself. Thank you, God. He's not confused. He never contradicts himself. He doesn't lead us in different ways. God is a God of peace and order and truth. And we have to re remember the Spirit of God is God. The Spirit of God is never going to say one thing to one person and a different thing to another person. God is unified and never contradicts himself. So if there's confusion, if there's ever confusion in terms of being led by the Spirit, is God really speaking to me? Is he speaking to them? How do I know? We have to remember there's, the, there's a human element in the gift of prophecy. Remember the definition. 
the gift of prophecy is the human reporting of divine revelation, the divine revelation, speaking forth in merely human words, something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. That is why this is different than, you know, authoritative prophecy that's scripture. The New Testament gift of prophecy is similar. God speaks to us, but, but we, aren't, we don't get the authority of God. When we sense God speaking to us something, we say really humbly, man, I, I think God is saying this, but we all know there's a human element involved. And so there's confusion. And, and often what happens is God really does speak. And then on top of that, there's our own desires and our own interpretations that get mixed in the process. We really heard from God and, and, and this church really heard from God. And so they interpret, oh no, God's saying, Paul, you're gonna suffer. So they think that's God saying, don't go. When Paul's like, no, I know I'm supposed to go. There's always a human element involved when we are hearing prophecy. Another truth we know about prophecy is this. True prophecy will always align with scripture. Again, God doesn't contradict himself. God has given us his authoritative prophecy word. And everything, every time we sense God speaking to us for someone else, or every time someone says, I have a word for you, you we, we, we hold it up to the word of God. Because again, who wrote this book? God did, the spirit of God. And he would never speak in a way that's not consistent here. Um, we get specifically two verses about testing scripture. The first one is in 1 John chapter 4. Here it is. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. As kind of scary as that is, there will be people in your life who come to you and say, I heard from God for you. And they're going to speak a prophecy over you. And we are to test that according to the word of God. And sometimes we will be hearing from a false prophet. That's, that's part of, we just need to be aware of that. Jesus is saying, listen, that's gonna happen. Be prepared for that. If, if some of us have been really wounded by some of these prophecies, uh, I know it's tempting to be upset at God for these things, but we have to remember but to remember, sometimes there are just false prophecies and prophets who are interfering with us hearing from God. And we shouldn't take that out on the Lord. That's, that's between them and the Lord. And we discern that by testing the spirits according to scripture. Another verse which we read earlier is, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. The third truth we know, are we hearing from God? Was this church hearing from God? Is this, is this prophecy in line with my flesh? And again, the flesh are my sinful desires that I struggle with and I battle with until I see Jesus face to face. It's the goal of the Holy Spirit to make you like Jesus, to make you deny your sin and lead you out of temptation and make you more holy. And so when, when you're sensing or someone's speaking to you, you need to ask, does, this, does my flesh like this? Or, or does my flesh hate this? Is this making me more like Jesus? Furthermore, if, if the Lord speaks to you often, if you have the gift of prophecy or maybe healing or miracles or those things, it's really tempting as, as it is with any gift of God to use these things for our own glory, for our own flesh. And, and what I love about our text here is it mentions these four daughters of Simon, or Philip, I mean, who, who were prophetesses. They could prophesy. And you know, what's so amazing in this text is they don't. They, they were quiet. They had this amazing gift and anointing from God, and yet they were silent. 
Like, what a concept. I have this gift God's given me, and I don't always need to be using it. In fact, I'm going to wait until the Lord specifically tells me to use it. This willingness to be humble, this willingness to go unseen or not always be speaking, but only to be going when the Lord is calling me to speak. Another truth that we got to line prophecy up with is, has this been submitted to the church? Has this been submitted to the church? When you think you're hearing from God, are you willing to like submit it? to a group of people, maybe to some pastors or biblically wise, mature people around me? Or when you're receiving something, has this been tested and approved by the church? Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let two or three prophets speak and let others weigh what is said. I just want to pause again. We are, there are no longer authoritative prophets. Um, We must submit to one another. And just because God has given us a gift, we don't have ultimate authority over those things. We don't just get to say, you don't get to question me. I heard from God. We're always submitting to one another. So he says, let others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all, sorry about that, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, is in all the churches of the saints. Again, maybe we've been in a a scenario where things felt not um, one by one and in order. And again, that's just not the way God has ordered his church. We aren't to all hop up up on stage and use our gifts however we want. It's just not the way God's designed it to be. God lovingly wants there to be some order and peace when we gather and use our gifts with one another. Um, Britt has taught on this many, many times, and he has some really encouraging, helpful points that I just wanted to also bring in. He probably stole them from someone. I'm stealing them from him now, so they're good. Um, Here's a couple things. What do, what do you do if you believe you have a prophecy for someone? Here's just some like quick run through these things. If I believe I've heard from God for somebody else, number one, pray about it. Look for clarity and confirmation. Is this just me or is this God? The longer we wait and are patient, I think God, if it's from God, he's not gonna let it go. If it's from us, by God's grace, he's gonna make us forget it so that we don't go do some damage, right? Just pray about it. Number two, rejoice over it. God, like treasure the fact God is speaking to you. Like how, how amazing is it that we have a living God who, yes, has given us his word, but also loves to like personally speak to us and through us and encourage one another. What a cool thing that is. What amazing gift that we have. I, I remember a story of one pastor and one of the ways he led um, a Muslim to the Lord was the fact that the Muslim couldn't believe that God would like speak individually to Christians and speak through them. Like that fact of this personal God that so moved his heart. We, we, this is a special thing we have. Number three, go slow. God's never in a hurry. Number four, know the tendency of your flesh. Uh, some of us, like myself, just want to move too quick. I'm hearing from God, it's time to go. Others of us are like, I don't know if it's God and we're never going to move. Know yourself and maybe even get some accountability in there and be like, no, maybe I, maybe I need to speak up. Maybe that's your flesh. Um, Share with others with similar giftings or spiritual authority to see if there's a sense of confirmation. Does this sound like the Lord? Again, this point, be willing to submit to mentors and church leaders. Here's an important one. Practice first. Write 
write them down, like write them in your journal and notice when do I tend to get them right? When have I got them wrong? Do it with community. Let other people in. Like this is a sacred thing, but let people in. Does this seem right to you? Here's a a significant one. Pray about what to do with it because sometimes prophecy is for the sake of intercession and not for being shared. This is really significant. Sometimes God's giving you something and you're not just to run off and blab your mouth. You're just like, Take it to the Lord and pray for that person. Seek the Lord. Is he asking me to share this or not? Uh, Also, how do we know or how do we approach delivering this? I believe God's spoken. I've done all these things. How do I I go about delivering them to somebody? Try to be really faithful with the content, meaning don't try to do what happened in this church and interpret it for them. These people really heard from the Lord. Yes, Paul's gonna suffer. He is going to suffer. But then they added their own desires and interpretation and tried to keep Paul. They were actually keeping Paul from what God was calling him to do. So when we add our own interpretation, we're at risk of doing the very opposite of what God's doing. Just be faithful with what you know and what God has, God has told you. So part of that is to be really clear um, about what is clear and humble about what's not. Like I remember someone had this prophecy about a cat and uh, I was like, a cat? And like, what is that? And rather than like, oh, you know, cats, you know, maybe that's related because they, it was like, I don't know. I don't know why I was a cat. It just is what it, it was a cat. Like I saw this cat, for, like, just be honest, be humble. We don't always have to figure it out. We can even trust the Lord to bring that in his timing, in his own ways. Um, we should choose our words really carefully to reflect the love of God. Remember, God speaks to us because he loves us. And specifically, if this is, sometimes prophecy is a, a challenging word, or sometimes it's a call to maybe confess, we should speak as God does, hard truths in love. Just our tone should be one of the love of the Father. Last thing, what do we do when we're given a prophecy from somebody else? Um, This is significant for some of us. Don't despise it. And so insult the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Don't receive it. Then evaluate it and discern what is good, what is not good. Reject what is not good. Ask the Lord to show you if it's from him and specifically what to do about it. Um, Again, rejoice over it. Thank you, God, for speaking to me. This is really important. Look for confirmation in lots of ways. You guys, this is true for me. Every single time the Lord has prophetically spoken to me in some way, he's confirmed it. He's done it every single time. I remember I had this one dream this was a crazy dream. I didn't understand what any of it meant. There was like animals involved. And I, I woke up and I was like, man, that was from, the, it just felt different. I remember every detail. My heart's all racing. I have this sense like you need to write it down. And I was like, what is this? The very next day, someone from this church sat down and they were like, and we don't really have these conversations. They're like, I had the craziest dream last night. There were like animals involved and you were in it. And I was like, Are you, this is crazy. Like this is, this could not be explained apart from the Lord bringing confirmation. So seek confirmation. I found that when the Lord wants to speak, he's, he speaks to many parties involved so that we can have confirmation together. Um, the last thing, remember that this is all about the glory and name of Jesus. So keep your heart focused on Jesus and not the gift or the prophecy itself. This is all a goal 
to get us to be more like Jesus, to glorify Jesus, for other people to see the name of Jesus. That's what the Spirit loves to do, to glorify Jesus. Which brings us to the, the last point that we see in our text is this. When, when, the, when the Spirit of God is leading and speaking prophetically, it's always going to lead us in the direction of the cross. Again, we, we see Paul say this when, when they were like, Paul, don't go. In verse 13 of our text, he says, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. The Lord was prophetically leading and speaking to Paul, but it was to go to Jerusalem where he knew he would suffer. And this is what Jesus himself he had this awesome ministry and it was going so well. And then it said he turned his face to Jerusalem where he knew he would be crucified. And his disciples were like, no, don't go. Peter's like, Jesus, you'll never die. And, and Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. Like, I have to go to the cross. That is why I came to go to the cross. I have found that prophecy, when the Spirit gives us prophecy, it's a, it's a gracious encouragement to go the way of Jesus, to be led of the way of Jesus. You guys, Jesus is on the move and he's building his church and the kingdom of God is at hand. And he's poured out his spirit so that we would be like Jesus, that we would carry whatever crosses he's given us to glorify Jesus. He wants to speak to you prophetically, specifically to some of our marriages in this church. He's gonna speak to you and he's gonna say husbands. He's gonna make it custom fit, but it's essentially gonna just be lay down your life for your bride. And to wives, he's gonna prophetically speak and say, you need to trust and submit your husband. And part of that means you need to call him out when he's not being as he's called to be like Jesus. He's gonna speak to us prophetically about our parenting. I really believe this. He's gonna give us prophetic insight to our specific children and their specific seasons and their needs. The spirit of God is gonna give us prophecies in our evangelism for specific neighbors, like insight into your neighbor that you normally wouldn't have so that you can go minister to them the love of God. Like imagine that, like that's what happens in the Bible. Philip, the guy who had all these daughters was just walking down the road one day. The spirit of God said, go talk to that guy in that cart. And he's like, okay, this is weird. And the guy's reading the Bible and he's confused about it and he invites him to tell him about Jesus. Like that's what the spirit of God does. He speaks to us, leads us prophetically to die to ourselves, to obey Jesus, to be effective on the move for him. Uh, yesterday when it was raining and the, the freeways were closed, I'm all dramatic and I'm like, oh my gosh, no one's gonna come to church. Church is gonna be canceled. This sermon's so important. We're gonna have to do something else. And, um, and I'm like texting everybody like, what are we gonna do? And how can we care for the church? And this and that. I'm just honestly just all worked up and um, such a gift that not all of the, we're not all the same. So they're just lovingly slowing me down. It's gonna be okay. Um, and, and then I was like, okay, well, what do we need to, pray about or like do I need to change the sermon and this is such like a weird fitting sermon for like if it's like natural disasters there's tornado warnings like what are we going to do and we're praying this morning and the Lord just really really clearly I would even say prophetically impressed upon me that this word is for our church at this season that we do not handle storms and chaos the way the world does we don't 
we don't cower in fear. We don't just change all our plans. We don't just try to preserve ourselves. We're like Paul who says, I'm ready to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. We in this season, in this cultural day and age are to be full of the spirit, led by the spirit, using the gifts of the spirit so that we could go wherever he's called us to glorify, bring, bring glory to the name and person of Jesus. We're not stressed out by the same things the world is stressed out by. And so we rather, we go out to the world, into the craziness, into the suffering, full of the spirit to tell them we have a hope. We have, there, there's hope in this crazy day and age. His name is Jesus. And so I wanna say, man, some of us, when we hear these things, where we go is, ah, oh, man, I've blown it. I don't walk in the spirit. I've been, I've been doing the opposite. I've been in sin. I've been quenching the spirit. What can I do? Church, we gather to remember the cross of Christ, that he knows your weakness. He knows all the times, like the disciples, you disobeyed him, you were fearful, you weren't led by the spirit, but by your flesh. And he says, I came to die, to take all of your sin, all of your fear, all of your failure upon myself. And that, that, that I could pour out my spirit on you. Remember Peter, just afraid of the wind and the waves and he's sinking. Jesus didn't say, you blew it, Peter, You're, I'm done with you. He reached down and grabbed him. And then he poured, he gave Peter his spirit. And then look what he did through Peter. So if you have felt like, man, I've blown it. I've been in fear. I haven't been walking in the spirit. Come to Jesus today. Receive his blood and his love and his mercy and, and be refreshed in his presence. And again, ask for more of the spirit. Jesus says, the father gives the spirit without measure. He's not done with you. He's not done with us, church. He has things for us in our lives, in our communities. So we need to ask, Spirit, where are you leading me today? Maybe it's confession. Maybe it's specific direction. Maybe it's a specific person in our life. Maybe it's simply obedience to Jesus. Maybe I know he's asking me, calling me to do this thing, to make this move. Let's, as we start this time of worship, Lord, where are you calling me? Um, we're gonna have communion here. We're gonna have a prayer team. Um, let's, let's come to Jesus to receive more of his spirit, more of his gifts that we'd be effective for his name. Amen? Amen. Jesus, thank you for your word and for your spirit. And I thank you for how they so wonderfully work together. Um, just as that valley was full of dry bones, your word came and then your spirit came and brought life and raised up this whole army that was effective for you. Would you do that in our church this morning? Would we receive your word? Would we confess and repent wherever we've been off, where we've been unfaithful or walking in disobedience to your word? And, and then would we receive your spirit that just is the love of the Father? Would we receive the, the truth that, that though we have been fearful and we have failed, that Jesus, you came, you laid your life down for us. You took all of our sin upon your shoulders on the cross. You tore the veil so that now we could not only enter into the Holy of Holies, that we would be in the Holy of Holies, the Holy One would be in us, that we would be your temple. Thank you that you are with your church this morning, right? You are with us, you are here. Lord, anyways, we've been off. Lead us in love and in confession and repentance. Would we receive communion and faith, knowing you've forgiven us and loved us, you've accepted us. And God, please pour out your spirit on your church that we would leave this building today changed and different and effective like Paul, willing to suffer, willing to do anything, go anywhere for the name of the Lord Jesus. Come and meet with your, your people now, Lord.